0: Whenever you enter a house, say at once, Peace be upon this house. And if a child of peace lives there, your peace will rest upon them. But if there is no child of peace in that house, your peace shall return to you. Friends, the title of this morning's sermon is Being a Child of Peace. Now, before we go any further, I need your cooperation and a little bit of a rant. If you have a pen or a pencil handy, get it out and open your bulletin to the gospel reading and find that place about midway through the first paragraph where it says, if anyone is there who shares in peace. Okay? And cross it out. That sentence should read, if anyone is there who is a child of peace. And it makes a difference. What you have in the bulletin does not accurately reflect what Luke meant when he wrote it. And the translators were working so hard to make the language inclusive that it sucked all the meaning and the punch right out of the sentence. Jesus is not sending the disciples out to look for nice, friendly people. They are looking for children of peace. And by that, Jesus means those who are willing to hear the good news that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah and who believe he is bringing God's kingdom into the world. What Jesus is saying here to the disciples probably had much more punch in the Aramaic that he used than it did even in the Greek. What he tells them is that they should enter a house and wish, actually it means enact or invoke, shalom on that house, and that if a child of shalom lives in that house, then that Shalom shall rest on that person. It shall be shared with that person. Shalom is something real. It's not just an abstract idea. Shalom is not just peace in the, with the absence of conflict. And in fact, it can often create more conflict than it eliminates at first because shalom is about God's priorities. It is peace, because one is at peace with God, blessed with God, and filled with the Spirit of God, in the center of God's will. Psalm 85 says, Righteousness and peace will kiss. Righteousness is rooted in our alignment with God's will, and you cannot have peace without righteousness. Peace encompasses shalom and wholeness and healing and salvation. It is the benediction for the return of all things to what they were when God created them and pronounced them all so very good. That is what peace is for. And in the Bible, shalom is often a circumlocution for God, a way of getting around saying the divine name and and packing all that other meaning of shalom into the sentence at the same time. You know, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. The child of peace in the house that the disciple enters is the child of God, the child of shalom. And Jesus is using that word in both sentences in this passage. He's sending out the disciples to all the cities and towns of Samaria, a place that was hostile to Jews and their gods, or their God, rather. The disciples were about To stand in market squares and to shout out that the Messiah the Jews had been waiting for had come at last, and what is more, God intended to establish his rule right here, right now, and even in Samaria. It was going to be risky work. They were being sent to preach the message of the good news of Christ in neighborhoods where people didn't actually want to hear it and didn't want to hear anything from a Jew. From a simply practical standpoint, shalom, the peace of the presence of God, was going to be essential to them as they went about the work that Christ had sent them to do. Now there's a spiritual side to this. Saying peace be upon this house works like a blessing or a benediction. Saying it makes it so. Shalom, the peace of God, rest upon this house. And the spirit will rest upon or dwell within the person who already seeks to live and be in God's will. If there is no such person in that house, then there is nowhere for the spirit to lodge, and it will return to the one who extended the blessing. The gift is given to those who are prepared to receive it. Those who are already surrendered to the will of God are the ones who will receive the gift. So how do we get to the place where we can recognize a child of peace? How do we become children of peace ourselves? Well, The first thing we have to do is we have to get rid of our notion that peace and tranquility are synonyms. Shalom is about God. And God is not necessarily about tranquility. Think about it. When Jesus sends a group of disciples into Samaria, they're going into hostile territory. These were places where one giving one's allegiance to a Jewish carpenter from Galilee was going to tear apart families and whole communities. This is the sort of thing Jesus meant when he said he came not to bring peace but a sword. There isn't much that is tranquil about that. The tranquility of shalom in this case comes as an interior gift, a confidence about living in the will of God and in God's presence, no matter what the circumstances might be. The second thing we're going to have to know and be is that to be a child of peace, To be a child of God, you have to believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to live as though God is real and really here with us. That means dealing with Jesus and all that incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, trinity stuff that so many of us have a hard time dealing with and we just want to push to the edges. You will not be a child of shalom if you insist on that because you will not know the God with whom you are in relationship. And that is that tranquility thing. If we live like we really believe in God and that we are sure of God's presence with us, And I don't mean that in all the awful ways you can think of. If we live like that, then we will probably not be intellectually or spiritually comfortable to ourselves, much less our families, our friends, our neighbors, and our neighborhood. External tranquility and comfort aren't really the point of the peace of God. But intentional groundedness and a sense of being safely anchored, even a storm, that is very much a part of that peace. Third, peace must be accompanied by righteousness. Again, that sense of being connected to the will of God. It must be accompanied by truth and justice and mercy and love, For without those, there is no righteousness. Truth is anchored in God, and when we know God, we can speak the truth in our world, and we can speak it from a place of love, rather than with bitterness, hatred, or arrogance. And the next essential element of righteousness is justice. We can't skip that. What does justice mean in this context? It means honoring and protecting the dignity of every human being with which we are all endowed. It is recognizing the image of God in other people and treating them accordingly. It is never forgetting, ever, that in the eyes of God we are all judged equally and doing our very best to see that our behavior and our world reflect that equal stance before God. Mercy is justice tempered with love, true love of the image of the God in the other. Justice without mercy quickly becomes cruel and vindictive and arbitrary. Mercy offers the forgiveness and the grace to others that we ask God to give us for ourselves. Mercy is not cheap, and mercy is not squishy. Mercy always tells the truth. Mercy without justice, though, is ridiculous because it fails to tell the truth, and it never holds anyone accountable. It is not love. It is simply evasion. To be a child of peace, you must point your life in that direction and you must dedicate your whole self to that direction of being at one with God. And you know, in life, like in archery, I learned long ago, if you don't aim at anything in particular, you're going to hit it. So, to be a child of peace, we have to be specific about the god to whom we have committed our lives. And without some particular knowledge and relationship with the god that we have committed ourselves to, we can't we can't talk about our faith. We cannot pass it on. It cannot have any impact on others. And any love or truth or justice or mercy that we attempt to bring in the world will only be small and distorted and twisted. It won't be true shalom at all because the healing and peace and the complete restoration of all creation for which we all long comes only through Christ, only through God. Jesus says that those who have seen him and believe in him have seen and believed in the Father, and it seems to me that for us, that's a really good place to start. It is the place where the disciples were encouraging people to, sma- to start when they went house to house in Samaria. Shalom is ultimately about being surrendered to God, about being willing to commit to having a real God, not a God of our imaginations, not a God of the philosophers, not some abstract idea that floats around outside of us. And it is about living as though we matter to God and God matters in our lives. Now, if you do those things, you will be a child of shalom, a child of peace. God's presence will be in you and with you anchoring you and shaping everything that you do. And when that happens, if that happens, then through you, Shalom, will have a place to rest, to abide, to grow, and make it known in all of the world. And then, then we can truly call ourselves children of God.